God is always good, isn't he? He is always, 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 always good. And uh, this is a common saying, but the enemy makes it look a certain way, and your flesh sees things a certain way, and you have to just tell your mind to shut up, and you have to tell the enemy, you don't need to give him a big speech, you just need to uh, speak the word, just as Jesus did. The enemy came to Jesus, right, in the three temptations of Christ, and Jesus just spoke the word. And we just need to speak the word, we just need to know God's truth. We need to take every single lie that's floating around in our own minds or floating around our lives and just crush it with the truth of the word. Amen. And I just want to right away, I want to delay, I want to go right into what we've been speaking on. The Lord gave me a line. He said, we need to be led by him. We need to be fed by him and we can't get ahead of him. We need to be led by him, fed by him and don't get ahead of him. And we're taking this from Psalm chapter 23, and it's only a few short verses. I just want to read the whole psalm, if we could, together. Psalms chapter 23, verse 1, as soon as that is ready. But we know it is, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all, and this is out of the, we'll read out of the NLT this week, I have all that I need. It says, he lets me rest. Let's just read this together again. I think this is so key. And just, I want you to read this and read it for all your brothers and sisters in Christ right now. Read it for this church. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil, and my cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. We need to believe it. Do you believe it, church? (laughs) Do you believe it? (laughs) Man, sometimes we just, I was just saying right before the service began, sometimes we just need to say it whether you believe it or not. We just need to say God's word. Whether your heart or your mind believes it is irrelevant. You just speak the truth. You take God's word, which is truth. God's word is truth. Whether you agree with it, whether you like it, (laughs) whether it seems applicable in your life right now, right? It is still the truth. And God's word is a hammer. It's a sword and it's a hammer and it cuts, it, it chisels and finds its way down into the deepest depths of us, but also in our situation, the word, it breaks through your situation. It's a hammer that breaks through your situation. Just speak the word. Don't speak your words. You don't need your words. And neither does the world. <laughs> they don't need your words. They need the word. And uh, just like Joshua, the Lord instructed him to fill his mouth with God's words. So that meant that when Joshua spoke his words, his words were God's word. That's what our lives should be reflecting as well. We need to get 
his word out of our mouth. And I am a firm believer in speaking God's word and believing God's word, even when my heart and my mind don't agree. Even when my heart and my mind don't feel like they believe, even though even some of my actions are still fearful and doubtful, I just keep speaking the truth and just believe it with everything you've got. It's like the guy with little faith that came to Jesus and he said, I do believe, but help me in my unbelief. You just speak what you've got. Just keep speaking the word. Just keep speaking the word. Keep speaking the word. And this is, Psalm 23 is about resting in God. It's not about having it all together. It's not about having it all figured out. It is about resting in Him. It's about Him being the shepherd. He is the shepherd, and I said last week, really that first line, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. I shall not want. Everything else is all, the rest of this psalm is all based on that one line. Because the Lord is your shepherd, and you, there's nothing else you need. There's nothing else you'll want. When you make him your Lord, everything else falls into place. When Jesus is Lord, everything else in your life will fall into place. It just finds its way into place. You don't have to try to rearrange and fix things. Jesus does it for you. You can try, you can spend time trying, and, and even you can look like you put things in place, but many times then the Lord has to just redo it anyway. <laughs> Who has seen that? Who's seen you try to get things right, get things good? Because what is our perception? Who defines it? Even Jesus said, what is good? How do you define it? Only God is good. You need to let God do it. And so this is just about resting. I'm just, we need to rest in him. It's talking about us resting in him, relying on him. And we have no lack. He's met every single need in Matthew chapter six. I don't want to go through it, but you know it. Matthew six, how it says, don't worry about the things that the world's worrying about. Uh, we don't need to worry. The Lord has dressed the flowers and, and, taken, and he's got his eye on the birds. And if he's watching the birds and if he's made the flowers pretty, then he has certainly look, has his eye on you and will take care of you. Amen. And so he's with us. And then he, verse two, he, he lets us, we rest in the green meadows and we're led beside peaceful streams and we have everything we need in him. There is nothing else and no one else that compares or will satisfy. And then we come into verse three. And the NLT says, he renews my strength. And it's actually so much more than that. The New King James says, and you will know this so well, many of you, as he restores my soul. He restores my soul. And um, I was really um, going to preach on the second part of this verse, uh, which is the paths of righteousness, which I'm going to get to. But then I started really thinking about just this little tiny line here about renewing, restoring, refreshing of our soul. The Amplified says, he refreshes and restores my life. He refreshes and restores my life. And this is such an incredible verse. I started thinking about this. I started doing a word study. And this word soul, 
If you could just pull that up in the New King James, he restores my soul. It says that your soul is this word nefesh. Anybody ever heard that word before? Your soul is that word nefesh. And what that word is, is the same word when God took Adam, he took some dust, and he forms a body. All that Adam was, was a body. That's it. He was not Adam, and he was not our ancestor yet. It was just a body. It was no different than a tree. (laughs) It was no different than a rock, because all it is is a body. But God fashioned Adam out of the dust, and then the Bible says that he breathed life. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed the breath of life. God breathed life into the man's nostrils, And the NLT says the man became a living person, but the King James Version says, and man, or Adam, really, that's what that, really the Hebrew word is Adam. The the English word man is the Hebrew word Adam. So it says an Adam became a living, a living soul, and that is a living nefesh, a living soul. So The very beginning, the very first human being, the life, it was a body that he formed, but the life inside of him, the life, the the body is just a body. There is no body uh, without life in it that is living. (laughs) That is very elementary truth. But without life in it, the body is dead. In fact, Within very, a very, very short time, depending on the conditions that you're in, as the body, the life comes out of the body, the body immediately starts decaying. Immediately. The body without life is nothing. It is dead. And we need to understand as Christians that before we came to Christ, that we were dead. That outside of Christ is death. In fact, When we come to Christ, the Bible tells us that if we try to live without him, that we are living in death. The Bible says that we have been saved, we've been freed, we've been rescued, we've been given life, and we've been taken from this world. Did you know that even though your body is still in this world, your spirit is not? This is a hard concept for our minds to get, but Colossians 3 and in Ephesians as well also, it says that we are seated where? With Christ. Where is Christ seated? What's it say? At the right hand of the Father. Right now, presently, it says we are, present tense, seated with Christ at the right hand of the Father. And then Colossians 3, which, you know, I refer to all the time because it's definitely my top five uh, favorite chapters of the Bible. Colossians 3 says, why then are you thinking about the things of this world? It doesn't make sense. He's, he's, he's writing and saying, I'm wondering why you're even thinking about things of this world because you died, it says. It says, you died. Let's pull that up. Colossians 3. Thank you, Holy Spirit. That's where you're taking us today. Colossians 3, you can just go to verse 1. 
Colossians 3 verse 1 says, Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits. So Christ is sitting where? In the place of honor at God's right hand. Verse 2. It says, think about things of heaven, not the things of earth. Verse 3. For you died. Everybody say, I've died. I died. See, the thing is, this is what's, this is what's crazy is, we were dead without Christ... But when we came to Christ, we died. <laughs> we were dead without him. When we came to him, we died. So we had, we had this will. We had this soul. We had this, this man or woman, right, in us <laughs> that was ruling. And I don't need to convince you of that. You know who was ruling before Christ, there was a man inside you that was ruling. He was pushing and pitting and pulling to become and to be and to do, right? I don't need to convince you. <laughs> there is a man inside you. And what the Bible tells us is that person is actually dead because they're separated from Christ. It might look alive, right? The world can look alive and their achievements and their gains and the things that they're doing can look alive, they look at us like nobodies and little, especially today. <laughs> and yet, what the Bible tells us is in all of their achievements and in all of their pride, they're actually living in death. But then we come willingly and lay that man down to death, and we have been resurrected to life with Christ. Because it says, your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Your real life is in Christ. Your real life is in Christ, not in this world. And your soul, when God breathed into Adam, this is pre-sin, pre-the fall. What Adam received was life from God. Adam's body was still a body. If you looked at his body before and after, it was a body. The Bible tells us, back there in Genesis now, we can turn back to Genesis. It's in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. It says that he formed the man from the dust of the ground. So the man was already formed. You can be a body, you can look alive on this earth and be dead. And I don't need to convince you of that as well. So many times we're walking around like living dead men. <laughs> there is such brokenness. There's such hurt. There's such rejection. There's, there's so many things that, that have, have literally killed our inside. And then we, we, we try to soothe it with so many things. We try to cope with so many things. We've tried to fill that place with all these other things to try to bring us back to life or to suppress the, the, the reality that we have to live. And we're, we're technically alive, but we're dead. And this is what's incredible, is what God is telling us here is that soul inside you, which is really, and I don't have time for the full teaching on what the soul is. There is some difference of opinions anyway, and I just don't have time to get into that. But what is the soul inside of a man? 
It is literally, just to sum it up for today, there's more to it, but it is the life inside you. Without your soul, you are just a, a, a zombie. <laughs> I don't believe in the zombie apocalypse like the TV shows, but there is a zombie apocalypse already on this earth. There's already zombies walking around. The whole world is just zombies, right? And, and, and it looks like this. This is a big version, but ready? Like this. Ready? Wait, I got to wait. Wait, I got to bring it to life. Ready? <laughs> Without the scrolling, it doesn't make sense. We're already zombies. The world is just lulled into a sleep. We're just walking around. It's just a new soothing. It's just, you know, it, the 60s and 70s, it was, you know, <laughs> it was peace and happiness and drugs. And today it's just a new drug. There's no difference. It's just something other than God. Something to try to give you some sort of a, 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 a meaning. Something to just fill your time. And yet, when we spend time with God, when we spend time with Jesus, and we have come into a place of rest with Him, when we need to come into a place of rest with Him, a place where, he's, where He is meeting your needs. Your needs are not met by this world. Your needs are not met in the physical. They're not met in the emotional place in you. God can meet those places as well. He can meet them with other, uh, giving you people around you, can give you a spouse and so on. He can meet some of those needs, but those really are sub. They are below, they are below the greatest need of all, which is Jesus himself. And when we learn to rest in him, this is amazing. I just, I wish, I'm ho I hope I'm trying to express how incredible when I started to see what this verse is saying, that he restores my soul. Adam and Eve, they lost something in the garden. They walked in the cool of the evening with God. They had this relationship with God. There was nowhere to be. They had no schedule. In fact, what was even time? They were living in eternity. They were without death. What did time matter? <laughs> Whatever didn't get done today could get done in a million years. And what's the difference? What was the difference? They didn't need anything. God gave them everything. God was with them. Come on, let's just get this picture that Adam and Eve had. And this is what the Bible says that God had breathed and he became a living soul. And here the Bible promises us post the fall. Everybody say post the fall. See, sin entered the world and we fell. We lost this. God separated himself from us because of sin and restored us back to himself through the blood of Christ. The shepherd is who? It is Jesus himself. Jesus, the Bible tells us, John uh, tells us that Jesus is the good shepherd. He is the good shepherd. And he said, my sheep know my voice and he leads and we follow. And the Bible says, as we became a living nefesh, it says that the, uh, it's, it's basically telling us that uh, when our life is taken from us, when our life is drained from us, when uh, there's a big bill due for all that we've spent our energy on, you know there's a bill due, right? 
you know that the devil comes and gives you the bill. You've spent your energy on all these other things and, and nothing is free. Whatever you've spent all that time and energy and effort on, right, there's a bill. Who has seen the bill? He comes to you with the bill. Now, in Christ, Jesus said, don't worry, I've paid the bill. I paid the bill on the cross. But there is a place that you must get into. There is a place that you must let him take you into. You don't have to do it, but you have to be willing. You have to be obedient. Jesus is the shepherd. We are the sheep. And the sheep are wandering on the hillside, and Jesus is leading them. But if we keep wandering off, he'll keep finding us. But every time we wander off, we're putting ourselves, not, not God's not doing it to you, we're putting ourselves in places of danger. We're taking ourselves outside of, his, uh, outside of his rest. We're taking ourselves as we wander outside of his provision, right? But the Bible says that uh, just as we were bodies, just as we were bodies that were filled with the soul, that Jesus will fill us with life again. The body cannot exists without life. So what is God doing then? He's not bringing us physically back to life. God is capable, right? We saw God is capable then in, in, in when, he, when the psalm was written. God was capable when Jesus walked the earth to bring us physically back to life. God is capable today to bring us physically back to life. But what he's talking about is an internal thing. There is, an, there is a, 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 a walking out. We could just be walking. We could be going through the motions. We can be going through life and yet not have life. Do I need to convince you of that? We can be going through the motions of life and yet feel so empty of life. And it happens fast too sometimes. Sometimes you feel so good one day and then just, just a day or days later, you feel so empty of life. And whenever that happens for me, whenever I start thinking funny and I start doubting God, I start getting fearful and I start feeling far from him, the answer is very simple. Just go back to him. I just rest in him again. I just bring everything that I am, all my burdens, all my flesh, all my stuff to him again. And he is willing to take it every single time. And I come to that place of rest again, and I say, Lord, I need restoration. I need refreshing again. I need you again, Lord. I feel weak. And it's not just I feel weak and tired like I'm burned out by the things of this world. There's a place down inside your soul. There's a place inside you, a depth in you. It's so much deeper. There's a deep place inside of us sometimes that it just can, it cannot be filled. It cannot be soothed by anything but Jesus. You cannot soothe it with social groups. You cannot even soothe it by being in a church. You can be in a church and not have Jesus. You can just be a spectator. It's only when you let Jesus down into that depth of you and let him have that part of you. Every single door that you open to him, he says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If we will open the door to him, he said, I'll come in and I will sit and I will eat with you. I will rest with you. Amen. And so we need to let the hurts, the rejection, the letdowns in life, we need to let God have them because he, as the Amplified says, he will refresh 
and restore my life. He brings me back. He reverses my mess. See, this word, I started looking into this, and there's so much more to it. It's, there's so much to these words. In fact, they're so big that people have written volumes of books on just what the soul is and just what turning back to God is. It's so big that I can't even express it. But basically, it is a coming back. And we have words that, that translate over into the New Testament. Into We go from the Hebrew into the Greek, and it's repentance. It's a turning back. It's a returning there's this picture of being lost and being found, being on the outside, being on the inside, being broken, being healed, being hurt, <laughs> being uh, healed, being, being dissatisfied, being satisfied, being outside, being inside. There's this picture without Christ, it's all the outs, it's all the hurts, it's all the rejection, and in Christ is all the satisfaction that you are looking for. It is only in him and he's faithful to do it. And if there's any part of you, any part of you, doesn't matter how strong you are as a believer, that is hurting and that is broken or needs to repent, then just let God have it. Let him do it. Let him do it. Just let him have it. And don't look in the flesh. Don't look through your eyes. When we rest in him, his life begins to flow through us. Amen. And he comes in verse 3 and he says, and he guides me along right paths, or it says, that's in verse 3, it says, paths of righteousness in the New King James. Paths of righteousness. It says, he guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name or for his name. It's for his glory. In the book of Psalm uh, 1, verse 1, it says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. This is, again, another picture. The Bible is very repetitive, just as I am. So you can't get mad at me. The Bible tells us over and over and over again, <laughs> over and over and over again, here's in Psalm 1 telling us to meditate on it day and night, rest in it, stay away from the world, because it says, this is what it says that we're like. It says that we, okay, this is talking about us. If we delight in the Lord and we meditate in Him day and night, we'll be like trees. Say, I'm a tree. And I'm planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. And our leaves, they will never wither, and we will prosper in all we do. But it says, but not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment, and sinners have no, will have no place among the godly. But it says, the Lord watches over the path of the godly. He watches our path. He smooths our path. He makes the path straight. It says, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. God watch over, watches over our path. When we lean upon him, when we rest in him, he brings a restoration. He brings a refreshing. He brings peace back into your life. You were without peace and then you find peace and then you don't even know which way to turn. How can you possibly know what the right way is to go in your life except by Him? There has to be a compass. We cannot just make it up as we go along. 
but you cannot even hear him to know which way is right until he's done a restoration in your soul until he's gotten your soul at peace, until he's gotten you to that, the place of rest, all you're going to do is he's going to show you the right way and you're going to say, that's the devil. He's going to show you the right turn and you're going to say, well, that's just me. And God's going to show you the right way and when your soul's at rest and your soul's at peace and you've gotten to the place where you just say, yes, Lord, no matter what, then the turns start to become clear that that's him and I don't care what it looks like, I'm going to follow you. That's why Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will, verse 6, in all you do, and he will show you which path to take, or he'll make your path straight, or he'll make it smooth. He will show you the path if you trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Our souls are searching They're searching for God, but we have filled them with so many other things. And so has the world tried to fill them. Without your permission, the devil and people around you try to fill your soul with stuff, don't they? Try to fill your soul with their junk or try to put themselves on you. And they cause a, a hurt and a tear and a breaking. And then we carry this thing around. We just need to let it all go. We need to let, all, let God have all of that. And then he starts showing you the right path to take. He says in Isaiah 26, verse 7, But for those who are righteous, the way is not steep and rough. You are a God who does what is right, and you smooth out the path ahead of them. Psalm 37, verse 23 The Lord directs the step of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. What the Lord is really looking to do as a shepherd is it's not, okay, let me just show you which path to take. You know, let me show you, okay, here's, here's the green uh, uh, grass over here. Here's the stream. There's the path. I got other things to do. See ya. He's not in a rush. What God is actually looking to do is walking with us. Even till, as Jesus said, his death. Right to the very end. He already really did it. As weird as it is for our minds to get Jesus already walked beside you. He's outside of time. We cannot even think. Our minds don't even compute this. But when Jesus said it was finished on the cross, he paid for the sins that you'll commit that you haven't committed yet. It's just a beyond us concept. It's so far beyond. It's so beyond us because he's already walked with you to the finish line. It's already finished. In fact, you can even go further back. There's even the, there's even the theology that when God rested on the seventh day in creation, that God outside of time, that even uh, all of creation, that Jesus on the cross and, and revelation and all of it was all done already. When God rested, God rested because it's already all done. 
And whether we, uh, whatever way you want to think of it, because we're still living it out right here, just get out of your head and just say, okay, Lord, you said it's finished. Lord, you said you rested and you called us. Hebrews tells us that we are supposed to, and let's just go there very quickly. I don't want to drag you along today, but it says in Hebrews, and I have it here somewhere. It says in Hebrews that there is a rest for us. It's in Hebrews chapter 4. And just very quickly, verse 1, God's promise of entering his rest still stands. Did you hear me? God's promise of entering his rest still stands. There's a rest that we can have. And it actually tells us, it tells us in verse 2, the Amplified says that the message they heard talking about the Israelites, it didn't benefit them because it was not mixed with faith. But I love what the Amplified says what this faith is. It says that they, they, it wasn't mixed with faith. It's with the leaning of the entire personality on God in absolute trust and confidence in His power, wisdom, and goodness. There's a rest, but the rest is only achieved by us just leaning on God. Is the rest is only achieved, and I'm telling you, I preached this last week, and then this week was was uh, was a test from the Lord, and uh, I feel like I passed. <laughs> I feel like I passed. You know, who knows what's actually happening? You know, happen. He could be like, okay, you kind of passed, but I still got some more things. But I just I made a point myself after preaching it. Sometimes as preachers, we preach things, and then we need to live it out ourselves. But I preached last week about living in his rest, and then this week I was just like, okay, Lord, I'm just going to rest in you. No matter what, it's 110, 150 degrees, 250, whatever it is, 350 degrees, I think it was this week, melting off the face of the earth. No trees, of course, you know, the job I planned could have been done a couple weeks ago when it was like 60, and we did under the trees that day. And I'm just like, Lord, I'm just going to rest in you. And I'm telling you, there was just this incredible peace this week. Just by making this decision. I, it doesn't mean that I wasn't sweating. It doesn't mean that the circumstances weren't there. My soul could have wrestled just the same. But I just said, okay, Lord. Okay. You just need to keep telling him, okay, Lord. There's a rest for us, but it's only achieved. It says it's only achieved. It's only achieved by us relying on him. It says in verse 4, we know it's ready because of the place in the scriptures where it mentions the seventh day. On the seventh day, God rested from all his work. But in the other passage, God said, they will never enter my place of rest. Verse 6, so God's rest is there for who? For people to enter, but those who first heard the good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. There is this place of rest that's available, but it only comes in complete and total surrender. And we think, I'm not disobeying God. Many times when we're in places of doubt and in fear, we're in disobedience. We don't call that disobedience. We call disobedience murder. 
hatred, extremes, but just doubting God. Do you know that was their sin, the Israelites that we're talking about here? The disobedience he's talking about was just that they doubted God. God said, I'll take care of you. And it was hot. It was dry. They had no food. They had no water. And yet, and yet the Bible says that their clothes didn't wear out. Their sandals didn't wear out. He gave them supernatural manna from heaven, which Elijah ate and ran for 40 days straight on one meal. Okay, so he gave that to them every single day. He gave them water from the rock. What else did they need? Come on. Come on. <laughs> what else did they need? He gave them everything, and yet they doubted him. We need to, but there was a rest that was available, and they didn't enter it, but he tells us that we can. He said God entered it himself, and the very place that God entered on the seventh day is available for us. We're able to come and spend time in that place with him. It's incredible. It's just unbelievable what God has offered to us. Maybe this will make some sense to you this week. I just pray that these words, they get down in your soul into that place and you just start restoring and the Lord starts speaking to you this week and just bringing this back to life. And it says that he guides us, he leads us. Jesus told his disciples as he went around and he called each of disciples, he said one simple thing to them. He said, follow me. He said, follow me. That was it. Follow me. And the Bible says they left their nets, they left everything, and they followed Jesus. That was it. The, the call of the disciple. <laughs> the call of the disciple is follow me and leaving it behind, leaving what you know behind, and following him. It's such a simple gospel, isn't it? Isn't it? It says in John chapter 12, verse 25, those who love their life in this world will lose it. And those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. And in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? And we see this connection here from Psalm 23 to the soul being right with God, being restored, being fresh, being lined up with God, and the leading of God. God comes and he does first, he does a work inside of you. He first, he gets a hold of you, gets your eyes. I mean, they only left and followed him because they said, this guy, Jesus, we don't know a lot about him yet, but this something obviously touched down deep inside where they said he's, we're willing to follow him. <laughs> something touched their heart where they said there was, a, there was a place in their soul which the Lord still worked with, didn't he? The Lord will keep, we just talked about this at our baptism, the Lord will keep working with you through the whole process right to the very end. 
right till your death, whether you've, you've been saved a long time, whether you've been baptized, whether you've been serving, whether you've even been pastoring, it doesn't matter who you are and where you are in the kingdom, he's going to keep working on you right to the end. That's what he does. Always, always taking more of you out of you and putting more of him into you. But Jesus shows us that it's, there's a following that can only happen when our soul is lined up with him and the following him is opposite. There is, it says, what benefit is there for you if you gain the whole world? So there's a wrestling and there is a luring from this world and from yourself and from your flesh for this place, for this stuff, for, for anything but God. It's so ridiculous that this generation is obsessed with the cell phone and the technology. It is so ridiculous because what is it? It's, there's, it's literally the epitome of nothing. <laughs> it literally is nothing. I tell Dawn all the time, that's not a real person. I haven't said this in a while, but like, I'm a real person. She's having a conversation. Like, they're not real. I'm real. I'm sitting here. You're sitting here. We're real. That's not real. That's fine. If you're using it for the Lord, that's fine. But it's not, it's how, how crazy, but this is what he's talking about, that we, there is a place in God of complete and total denial of everything else. Nothing else has your heart. Now that's fine. I'm picking on Dawn. She's not on it nonstop, but I read a thing about the average teenager is on their cell phone over 13 hours a day. I'm not even awake that long in a day. <laughs> and that's the time they spend on it. I mean, there's not even gain. See, it used to be it was to build a skyscraper and to become like mega. Now it's like, well, you know, here's my world. It's like a virtual world, but it's the same exact thing. It's I'm living in a world that is outside of God, anything but God. Any, it doesn't matter what the obsession, what the addiction, what the pull is. It can be anything. It could be, well, I'm going to reject all of that, and I'm just going to go live off the land, and I don't need anything or anybody, and yet I'm also excluding God. <laughs> and there's a group of people in this world that do that. And Jesus tells us that there is, when we follow him, when we follow him, that our souls will be saved, but there's also, there is an instantaneous, this is what I want you to get today, leave with this, that even though there's a process and there's a working out and there's a walking, your soul can be instantly at rest now. Because the way that God sees you, the way that the Bible sees you, not by the way you understand, and not, you know, I'm looking at my flesh right here, and I'm, and I'm th still, my mind's still thinking old thoughts, and I have to tell my mind and my body that this is not real, that I've been seated with Christ, that I am a new creation in Christ, and I refuse to strive in this world. I refuse to fight with people in this world. I refuse to think the old ways, and I refuse to, to become and to be and to do and to strive, but I'm going to rest in Christ because that's where the Bible says that I'm sitting. And even though there's a constant working out, Paul says there's a perfecting that takes time there's a process that he said, I have not achieved yet, but I'm striving towards it. Does that make sense? 
Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And he says in Matthew 7, he says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad or the road to destruction. Its gate is wide for the many choose that way. But verse 14, the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few find it. But if we are walking with Christ, then what was it's only difficult because your flesh wants what it wants. It's not difficult if you are obedient. If you are wondering where is God going to uh, do this and how is he going to do this and when is he going to do this and all those questions, that's fine. I was just talking, ask those questions. But if you're obsessed, like if that's all you think about and you don't just say then, you know what, Lord, I'm just going to take one step at a time with you. I'm going to take one day at a time with you. I'm going to take one turn at a time with you. I'm just going to stay in this place where I'm leaning on you, I'm resting in you, you've provided for my needs, you're taking care of me, you're sustaining me, I'm gonna keep my soul right here in that place of peace, and you're gonna show me the turn, and now, Lord, no matter what it is, no matter what you're telling me to do, I'm gonna take it because I'm leaning on you, I'm not looking with my eyes, not going by my feelings, and then I'm going to walk with you on this what could be rough and narrow and dangerous road, but it won't be if I do it one step at a time. And then I just want to, I'm not going, I may preach on this again next week, but I just want to read this verse to close because he comes from that into verse four. And he says, even when I walk back in Psalm 23, I walk through the darkest valley or the valley of the shadow of death. I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. And in other words, it doesn't matter where I'm walking. He starts the psalm saying, I got the shepherd beside me, and he leads me to green pastures and the cool streams, and I rest in him, and he's restoring my soul, and he shows me what path to take. And then he gets to verse 4. He's saying all that, but then he gets to verse 4 and says, even when I walk, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And his point is, I believe here, is no matter what it looks like, it may look like the valley of shadow of death, but really what's happened is I found a place inside with the shepherd where I'm sustained. It may not even look like green pastures and cool streams. It may look like I'm on the verge of death, but I'm resting in Christ, so I have no needs. I shall not want. I do not lack. I'm provided for. I'm taken care of. His rod's protecting me. He's beside me. He's close beside me. My enemies, they can't touch me. I'm taken care of. I've got goodness around me. His presence is around me. He's anointed me. And I'm just going to live in him forever. Amen. Let's just stand and pray. We just thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us your word. And I thank you, Lord, that you have come to restore us, to refresh us. Lord, I pray that you would do that right now in us, Lord. We just hand it over to you again and again and again. We walk in that place of rest in you. 
Lord, a restoration of the soul. Lord, just as you breathed into Adam, Lord, your word says that Jesus became the second Adam, giving us the promise again that you gave to the first. Lord, it was taken from us, but now we can walk in that place. No need, no lack, no schedule. Lord, we're just resting in you, walking with you again, Lord. What an amazing thing that you've given us. And I pray that whatever is trying to steal that, whatever's trying to steal your joy, trying to steal your peace, in Jesus' name, we break that thing off your life and just keep giving to him, keep giving him the keys to every door, keep giving him every sin, keep giving him every fear and every doubt. He will take it quickly from your life and give you that restoration to your soul and start showing you the way to go immediately. We just thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.